Welcome, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am energized and ready and willing and able to have you here as part of my listening audience today. Thank you for joining us. We have a really great show today. Our topic today is on parental alienation. Why does this happen? You know, I get a lot of uh, letters from a lot of different aggrieved dads, and it's I, I know you guys have uh, very painful and similar stories. Uh, the reason why I'm putting on today's topic is because one of my dads um, kind of like explored a little bit about why is she the alienating person? What happened prior to this? Maybe even prior to the divorce, prior to the marriage. There might have been something uh, uh, with regard to the divorce that triggered this type of alienating behavior. She's thinking that she's actually doing all of this action to protect um, her son or daughter or children. Um, and really, it's, it's a very self-serving effort, uh, the alienating parent. And uh, maybe we'll touch upon why those sorts of things um, do occur. Our guest today is going to be author Mike Jeffries. That's Mike Jeffries, and he is a, a former journalist, and as um, he writes his story from a dad's point of view, he started off just journaling because there was so much information with regard to his, his case and file that he thought, okay, I'm going to journal this. And when he noticed that he was actually um, make, making editorial comments and corrections on his journal, he figured, oh boy, maybe I should turn this into a book. Um, the other great thing is uh, we'll get an inside peek on his psychotherapy uh, sessions. Um, that person, Dr. Joel Davies, uh, is uh, co-authoring his book. By the way, the name of his book is called A Family's Heartbreak, A Parent's Introduction to Parental Alienation. And by the way, um, any and all links that I reference uh, on today's show, you can find them on my Facebook fan page, so they're easy for you. You just click on them. They're at the ready. And if you haven't already done so, please go to my Facebook fan page. Same name as the show. It's called The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. In the upper right-hand corner of the fan page, you will see the Like Page button. Click that once to subscribe. Click it a second time to allow notifications. And once a week, you'll get the notifications of what the guest, um, who the guests are, what the topic is, and uh, you know whatever we're going to be talking about for that particular week. So again, that's the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Anyway, um, a little bit later in the program, uh, someone who has read Mike's book, um, I'm going to be having filmmaker Eric Porterfield on, and he will join us as well. So it's going to be an action-packed show. Um, I need you to uh, write this phone number down. In fact, better yet, program it into your cell phone because we will be taking um, calls and questions and comments to uh, myself or uh, my guest today, and that call-in number is 951-922-3532. Again, the number is 951-922-3532. So before we hop on to today's topic, um, if you happen to have missed last week's show, on 7-6, we uh, handled the question, um, you can't handle the truth about sex. So I, uh, I told you what women want from sex, and I either dismissed or confirmed whatever myths or assumptions that you have with regard to women and sex. So that was a pretty good topic. Also, on, uh, also last week, I was interviewed by Camden McInnes. Um, and we talked about uh, dating. So um, those two shows from last week, as well as any and all of my archived shows, it's super easy to find them. All you have to do is go to Google, SoundCloud, The Men's Advocate. That's Google, SoundCloud, The Men's Advocate. And you can listen to this or any of the archive shows. So it's time for binge listening if you're a new listener. 
All right, so let's hop back into today's topic. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, Mike. Um, Mike Jeffries is the author, like I said, of A Family's Heartbreak, A Parent's Introduction to Parental Alienation. In this book, Mike shares his parental alienation story with Dr. Joel Davies and and Dr. Davies explains to Mike and the reader how a parent can go from loved to despised in the eyes of the child and how a parent can come to grips with his or her alienated status. By the way, as a footnote here, um, I know we are speaking to aggrieved dads today, but from from what I understand, this this uh, scenario can happen with either sex. So today's scenario, uh, you know, kind of take it blanketly that we're talking with aggrieved dads today, but it also happens with aggrieved moms. So um, the dynamic may be similar in some cases or maybe not so similar, but it does happen in both directions. All right, so you can learn more about the book at uh, Mike's website, which is afamiliesheartbreak.com. That's afamiliesheartbreak.com. Again, all of these links will be on my Facebook fan page um, for you. So welcome, uh, Mike, to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, Linda, and thanks for having me on. All right. Welcome. Okay, so how did this book come about? I mean, I, I, said, I talked a little bit about your journaling efforts, and um, how did you get from that stage to, oh, gee, I better write a book about this? Well, when I first started going through my parental alienation experience, there wasn't a lot of material out there. There was a couple of books, there was a few articles, but there was not the abundance of materials that are out there today. So I was really kind of operating in a vacuum. I had Dr. Joel Davies, who was very knowledgeable, he was very helpful, um, but in terms of additional resources, it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And one of the books that did exist was a book by the name of Dr. Richard Gardner. And he says right on the cover of his book that it's written for legal and mental health professionals. And so as I was keeping my journal and I was thinking that, you know, this is a story that really could help a lot of people, I decided to take the opposite approach and, and not write the book for the legal and mental health professionals, but write the book for people like me parents who are going through this and didn't know what happened to them. Yeah, it's like you were hit by a truck. I mean, so many of my my uh, dads say that they just didn't see this coming, especially to this degree. Um, and, you know, when we further get into the family court system, how it's almost as if, you know, unlike other courts in the land where you're innocent until proven guilty, time with family courts, the aggrieved party, you are guilty until proven otherwise. So you, you are, um, you know, people are, the readers are very lucky to have you around to put it in plain English and, and the more resources that we have on this subject, the better. And I think it will definitely help a lot of uh, alienated parents in this, in this situation. Well, it was like getting hit by a truck, um, Linda, because one day you have a perfectly normal, healthy relationship with your child, and the next day that relationship is absolutely destroyed. It's gone. It's like it never existed. And as a parent, it's very, very difficult to get your arms around the situation. And then you kind of go back and you start thinking back about what could I have done to cause this or what happened that I should have seen that I didn't see. And as I've often told people, when you're in the day-to-day events, you often don't see the forest for the trees. And you really need sort of that 30,000-foot perspective to really kind of connect the dots and put the pieces together to see how you got to that point. But obviously, as, as parents living you know, day-to-day with our husbands and wives and our children and our jobs, we don't have that perspective. Absolutely. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Do call in on our subject. We're talking about parental alienation. Why does this happen? How to cope with it after it happens? Our call-in number, we're looking forward to your calls, is 951-922-3532. That's 951 
3532. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to take a look at some of the psychological reasons as why, as to why the parent might be vindictive. Is it based in childhood? Is it based on something that has nothing to do with your relationship uh, with your ex? So we'll take a look at that right after the break. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Hey guys, want to go from cocky and confused to confident in four sessions or less? Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Tackle relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's www.themensadvocate.com slash coaching. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Do call us today on today's topic about parental alienation. Why does this happen and how can we cope with it? Our phone number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. We're on with my guest today, Mike Jeffries. He's the author of the book, A Family's Heartbreak. Uh, Mike, we were just uh, mentioning right before the break, um, why do you think might be some of the psychological reasons as to why the parent is, the alienating parent is vindictive? Um, did this happen, do you think this happens concurrent to the divorce? Do you think the seeds of this um, might have happened long ago, maybe even as long ago as childhood, and the divorce is sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back and the floodgates are open now, and she takes it out on everybody. Um, what are your thoughts from based on what you know with your case? Yeah, it's the latter. These issues really do date back to childhood, and they're all about a person's real or perceived fears of abandonment. And this could be emotional abandonment, it could be physical abandonment, but it's about abandonment. And for women, uh, it's a real or perceived feeling of abandonment from a father or a father figure. Uh, for men, it was a mother or mother figure who either abandoned the young boy or who the young boy perceived abandoned them. And these issues often go unresolved. And what happens when there's a divorce or a separation, um, what you see is the ultimate adult abandonment, and it brings back all those old painful feelings. And at this point, the alienating parent is looking for anyone to make the feelings go away. They really don't care who fills that void. They just need somebody to do it. And a child is often an easy and convenient target. You know, after all, the child is dealing with his or her own insecurities about the divorce. And so what you see happen is a very unhealthy, codependent relationship between the alienating parent and the child that leaves no room for the targeted parent. 
So these might be unresolved issues that he or she might have been feeling since childhood and maybe some, some of them were addressed or maybe they were not completely addressed. And something as traumatic, you know, one of the, one of the most traumatic life changing events in, in somebody's history is a divorce. And maybe that, that uh, divorce just triggers this mountain of emotions and she's, got to take it out on somebody it's like you know because she hasn't dealt with it privately one-on-one she hasn't coped with it so you know she's going to go for the you know for an easy target which is you and the children well linda in the book we talk about a concept called object relations object relations are how you see yourself um, in terms of the world around you and if you're a person with strong object relations you have a strong ego a strong sense of self you identify yourself as an individual. If you have poor object relations, you have a weak sense of self. And in that case, you identify yourself as somebody's husband or somebody's wife or somebody's mother or father. Um, And you get your identity and you get your feelings of self-worth through your association with this other person. Now, when this other person leaves, okay, he or she takes with them the feelings of self-worth that you valued and now you're left kind of empty and so by pulling the child into this very unhealthy relationship what the child essentially does is validate you as a person because if the I'm not gonna have anything to do with this person and the child's not gonna have anything to do with this person therefore I must be correct um, about the way I feel Wow. You know, a lot of uh, this show, what I do is I like to give my men advice on what to do proactively. Um, Is there anything that could have changed the situation and had a different outcome? Or was that train just on the track and there just really was no way? Yeah, the train was on a track and it just wasn't stopping um, until the alienation was just total and complete. And I know that's a very, very difficult message to deliver. Um, But short of, you know, a court and a judge who is really going to understand this and and psychologists who are really going to understand this and take the appropriate steps to kind of nip this in the bud, there's not a whole lot that anybody is going to be able to do to slow down this train. Um, because keep in mind that the alienating parent reacts solely on emotion. There's no reasoning with the alienated parent. There's, there's no sense of what I'm doing is bad for my child and not really in my best interests either. Um, they operate solely on emotion, and when they feel threatened, the alienation gets ratcheted up, and when everything is calm and you know, the alienated parent is keeping his or her distance then things are okay. So as you're going through it, you know, the best advice we can give parents is to just remain the same loving, consistent parent you've always been. Continue reaching out to the child with invitations and emails and correspondence and calls and letters and small gifts. Um, But just prepare yourself for a very long haul. Absolutely. I had one parent just uh, recently write me, and he's not allowed to see his child in any way, shape, or form. He's going through, you know, various court battles and so forth. But you know what? He still does go to all her soccer games. He does show up. He's in the bleachers. And she probably knows that he's there sitting in the bleachers. He's not allowed to interact with her or go up to her after the game. But you know, like you say, you just have to stay consistent. You just have to never give up and just stay consistent. And, you know, whatever your energy and your input is and your efforts are, um, it, it, it does, it does not go unnoticed. The child will notice that. Maybe not today, maybe not five years from now, but at some point in time, uh, the child will recognize that you have stayed the course and you're there for them. Well, very, very definitely, Linda. And keep in mind, you know, the children don't stop loving us, okay? They don't stop wanting to be with us. 
the children are just doing what they have to do to survive an impossible situation. Right. And they take all these positive feelings they have about us and they just bury them. They bury them so deep you couldn't find them with the most powerful GPS in the world. And they do notice, though, and that consistency and that continuing to reach out to them will actually make it much easier for them to reconnect with you the first chance they get. Right. Because the longer the alienation goes by, once there is a reunion, it's just so much harder to connect if there hasn't been some sort of interest, some sort of contact. Even though, you know, the person might be barred from seeing the child or interacting with the child, um, if you're starting from a dead start, it's it's so much more difficult. So dads who are listening out there, the alienated parents who are listening out there, just do whatever it takes to still stay involved at any level that you can. It's just so beneficial for when that reunion does uh, take place. All right, so I have a lot of young men in my audience, and of course, you know, I get a lot of letters from guys who are in their late 20s, and they say that they would like to get married, they would like to have a family, but the choice out there today with regard to young women is just so poor and then of course you add on all this burden with the family court system and and uh, all the unevenness and unfairness with that so is there anything that we can advise to a young man say maybe he's between uh, the ages of 28 and 35 um, he wants to get married wants to find that girl are there any pre-screening questions or areas that he should delve into before he pops the question to her well, I think you want to take a look at the family and you want to take a look at the history. I don't know if it's so much as a question as it is an observation. You know, what you want to look for are cutoffs where people just stop talking to each other and where people end relationships, um, whether they be for good reasons or bad reasons. In healthy families, we will have our differences and we will get over them and we will come back together again as a healthy family. What you see in unhealthy family, though, is a lot of cutoffs. Right. You know, the, the, the parent who hasn't talked to the brother in, in 30 years or the, 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 the young woman who's been estranged from her mother for 20 years for some reason. And, and these should all be red flags because when these cutoffs occur and do not get resolved, um, these, this is a learned behavior that the potential spouse will imitate in his or her relationships moving forward. So I think if you see the cutoffs and there's not a real good explanation for them, I think that should be a red flag. Right, and to further define the word cutoff, I think what you're, you're saying is that there was some sort of abandonment or alienation in their in their own lives in in childhood uh maybe the the mom ran off and never to come back or the dad did, you know did the same thing maybe it was through jail or maybe it was through a voluntary choice to leave the kids or maybe there was adoption in, involved um, so for whatever reason, uh, that child might have unresolved feelings with regard to somebody abandoning them. So, um, you know, it's just kind of ironic now that on the guise of I'm protecting my child, of course, that's anything but the case, but on the guise of I'm protecting my child, that's what might cause this alienating uh, behavior. And it's not even in just the families, you know, look at the the girls or the the boys friendships you know do they have these close intense friendships and then have a falling out and never talk to the person again um you know that should raise a question or two why is it so easy for for this person to basically just turn a corner and cut somebody out of their life um out of you know perhaps a small perceived slight right Absolutely. Yeah, you talked a little bit about uh, in your book about the three crimes against the child. Um, you know, 
like I was saying, she seems to be doing this, uh, you know, for the child's best interest to keep the child away from the dad or from the person that she's alienating. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how the child is impacted with those three negatives? Well, you know, when you constantly tell a child that your father is bad or your mother is not worth the time to see her um, or, you know, you, your father's just a bum, you know, what you're essentially telling that child is half of that child is a bum or not worth the time. And that really affects the child's sense of self and sense of development. So it's so critically important in these situations that even though there's going to be a new reality in the family, that it's a new healthy reality. Yes, mom and dad, you know, don't want to live together anymore. But that doesn't mean that we don't both still love you. It doesn't mean we're not both still good parents. And things are going to change, but we're going to do everything we can to keep your life as consistent as, as possible. You know, that's the positive message that happens in, you know, healthy families when they go through the divorce. In the unhealthy families, you have the exact opposite and you have the parental alienation situations and the child's whole sense of security is basically ripped out from under him or her. Um, the child is obviously upset as any child would be in, under any circumstances, but the child is dealing with a, another level of insecurity because the child has one parent saying, hey, you know what? She left us, all right? So it's just you and me, kid. We only have each other, and you're either, you know, on my team or you're not on my team. And the kid looks around and says, well, okay, you know, he's right. She did leave, um, and I better do whatever I can do to hold on to this parent because if I lose this one, I'm really up the creek without the paddle. So. Right. That and I think, really, you know, I think a lot of times the children can't even um, process all this information. It does go in. Uh, it is embedded in the child's uh, psyche. But depending on the child's chronological age and depending on the child's emotional age, they might not be able to process it day, day one. All, these, all this activity is going on, but they might not be able to put thought or emotion to it to pinpoint what is it that I feel? What is it that I'm thinking? They're just kind of going through the motions, I think, for some period of time. Yeah, and especially with the younger kids. You know, the younger kids live in a very black and white world. They don't have the mental development to see the shades of gray and sort of the optional thinking process that we all develop when we get older. So, you know, if mom says, you know, dad left us for another woman, the child in the child's black and white world says, well, dad did leave and dad is dating somebody else. Um, so therefore, mom must be right. Without really having the mental capacity to realize that, you know what, when a marriage goes bad, it usually goes bad for reasons on both sides. And there's really not one person that's solely responsible for the situation. Younger children can't do that. Right, exactly. Anyway, if you've just joined us, you're listening to The Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Give us a call. Our phone number is 951-922-3532, 951-922-3532. Our topic today is parental alienation. Why does this occur and how can you cope with it? Uh, when we get back from the break, we're also going to be having um, filmmaker... Um, Mr. Porterfield, uh, join us uh, on this call as well, and we will uh, get right back to you. So we'll see you right back after the break. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world, and you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head on over to Henson Brewing Company, Burbank's first craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming winter 2016. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you 
guys. You heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM, where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Uh, we're on with uh, my guest today. Uh, his name is is Mike Jeffries, and he's written a book called A Family's Heartbreak, A Parent's Introduction to Parental Alienation. Just before the break, we were uh, talking about um, the crimes that are uh, made against the child. Mike, just let's finish up that thought really quickly. Um, let's talk about how the alienating parent uh, seems to think that it's an acceptable way to handle anger is to, is to, you know, do this action. Yeah, what the alienating parent is essentially doing is teaching the child that if somebody disappoints you, if somebody hurts you, if somebody makes you angry, just cut them off. Never talk to them again. Have nothing to do with them. And... That is not the way you want to go through life. You know, life is full of disappointments and life is full of people who are going to disagree with you at some point and you just can't cut them all off because they say something or do something you don't like. So when the parent teaches the child this behavior, the child is missing out on all sorts of appropriate coping skills that the child will need to have healthy relationships with other adults later in life. Absolutely. I mean, a small microcosm of that is, you know, I'm, I'm on social media all the time. You know, I'm a radio personality and every blue moon, once in a blue moon, I'll get somebody who's on my page and they're making inappropriate comments. And from my other fans, they will always be quick to say, well, just block the person, just block the person. And in my mind, I don't learn anything by blocking the person. I improve my communication skills when I deal with the person directly. I mean, I'll try to say it politely what I need out of them publicly on the page, but if I don't get anywhere with that, then I take the conversation privately as to why their um, behavior or why their comment is unacceptable or inappropriate um, for the page. So I, do, I don't block because I learn so much more by not doing it that way. And like you say, in life, there's so much to learn. There's always going to be disappointment and heartache. But the more you face it, the more you challenge yourself, you will actually grow from that experience. So to automatically like cut somebody off as a means of handling anger or hurt or disappointment, yeah, you don't learn anything. So agreed with you. And then lastly, you were saying that the uh, child gets robbed of the love of the uh, of the parent who has been alienated. Talk, speak a little bit to that. Yeah, and this one, this one's a real hard one for the child to come to grips with because as the child gets older and the child starts looking back on everything that happened from an adult perspective, 
okay, the child will be able to see the gray. The child will be able to think optionally and be able to have all the thoughts that he did not have the sort of the cognitive ability to have when he was younger, when she was younger. And what happens in these situations is the child not only ends up with one damaged relationship with the targeted parent, but the child now has a second damaged relationship with the alienating parent because the child realizes that much of what the alienating parent said and did was not in the child's best interest, okay, may not have even been true, and was purely designed to drive a wedge between the child and this parent who the child had loved right up until the, the moment of the hostilities. So the third crime is the alienating parent thinks that he or she is just destroying one relationship, but in reality, that parent is destroying two relationships. Good points. All good points. All right. I want to introduce my next guest. Um, Eric has uh, read Mike's book, and um, that's how we all connected with each other. And his his name is Eric Porterfield. Um, you can reach him at porterfieldmedia.com. That's porterfieldmedia.com. Again, I'll have all these links on my Facebook fan page. For 30 years, Eric has created award-winning mental health educational program that is seen by more than 2 million people. His personal journey, journeys in divorce and alienation have resulted in his most recent film, The Invisible Abuse, How Parental Alienation is Destroying Our Children. Uh, that movie is soon to be released in May 2017. Before I put Eric on, I wanted to play you a little bit um, from his clip, from his uh, video clip called Understanding Divorce. Last week, she said, and where she came up with this, she's a smart little girl. Mommy's mad at you. But when mommy and daddy get better, you live in the greenhouse together again, right? Do you think I could tell her? Yes, I had to tell her no. Eric, welcome to our show. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Linda. Great. In fact, I kind of um, hooked the, decided to hook the two of you up because of uh, uh, Mike and I were just talking a moment ago about look for the cutoff points in the alienating parents' uh, early life, maybe their childhood life. And I think you guys had kind of parallel stories with regard to that topic. So anyway, welcome to the show. Um, I appreciate your being here. Tell us why you got started in documenting um, this particular topic in your in your films and documentaries it's pretty similar to mike um it was more of a visceral reaction when i was getting divorced um i found like i think most people do it's it's a crapshoot trying to figure out where to go what to do especially as as a as a father you're 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 trying to reconstruct a life while also getting a divorce and so the first film i made i made while i was going through divorce called Understanding Divorce, which dealt with the legal, the financial, and the psychological aspects. I had There was no alienation in my life at that time. <clears throat> and people can actually register to see that film and get the workbooks online uh, for free, um, as they will with the, the alienation film. Uh, and, and so as time went on, uh, just like Mike, I, I ended up in a situation where all three of my children were taken from me in the middle of the night um, for no reason. Uh, and I started down the typical path of trying to address it through the court system, uh, which was totally inept. It was a total waste of time. And, uh, so at that stage, uh, amidst all of that grief, I thought, you know, the best thing I can do for myself at this point is, as Mike said, was to continue to be the parent that I was. I had my children 50% of the time, uh, up until that point. And I started interviewing people, uh, just like with Understanding Divorce. And then I tripped across Mike's book, which was really a breath of fresh air because, as he pointed out, I think Gardner's book had done so much damage to the notion of how uh, the field of mental health was supposed to deal with this issue. It was so hard to get through. And then you had this first-person account 
um, much like what I felt I was doing, except with characters in the form of real people in the films. Um, and he was giving it to you in a way that was totally accessible, totally easy to understand. And, and that's what most people want when they're in the midst of this. They feel like this is something um, so unbelievable, so different than anybody else in the world has experienced. So that when you read it in a non-technical sense, which is much of what my background is, you have this companionship uh, you know, with the actual events. And, and they're very similar case to case to case. Where they, you know, it's not like we all have extremely different stories. So I think, it, again, it was a, a, the reaction that I had and the opportunity that I had was to, uh, much like Mike's, was to use my profession as a, as a way of uh, giving myself some perspective and then having that perspective be available to others. And do you, uh, what, what is your take with regard to alienation? Uh, do you think it's a form of mental illness? And if so, do you think it should be addressed as such? Well, I, I, I absolutely do. And the DSM, the, the, diagnose, the, the diagnostic um, uh, guidelines have been examined uh, during DSM-4 uh, and DSM-5. And uh, they've been rejected, I think, largely on the basis of um, what I would call naturalistic studies not being very complete and uh, using old information. So when Mike talks about it, he's actually being more fluent than most psychologists are. Um, the fact that we don't recognize it as a form of abuse within the DSM-4 is, is as criminal as the fact that we don't recognize it within our courts. Um, abuse is abuse, and the fact that the industry of mental health and the industry of our judicial system is not equip, equipped or equipping itself at this time to address this issue is beyond reproach. I agree with you there. Do you think that the uh, that this form of mental illness is not quite diagnosed as such as yet, but do you think that it is gender gender neutral? In other words, um, at what point? I think you uh, told me that you know men don't get postpartum depression. Men don't typically kill their kids. The reason why this postpartum depression occurs actually is because there's an influx of hormones um, prior, during, and after uh, the pregnancy. So those that influx of hormones occurs in a woman's body up until one year past the, the delivery date. So some people have an easier time with it than others, um, like Brooke Shields had a very difficult time, and those hormones were raging a full year or more past the, uh, the delivery date. So in, in your mind, do you think that it's gender neutral, that the alien alienating parent is a gender gender neutral issue or are some of is some of it based on hormonal uh, influxes in the body that the person just actually can't control well i mean i'm, I'm when i look at the pathology i do it, it mostly as a, as a filmmaker and also as a continuation expert who dealt most of his life in central nervous system issues um we have behavioral um guidelines that we can follow for certain types of mental illness, things that, as Mike pointed out, can be developed over time. But there are also, also things that are entirely biological. Um, and you could explain them away as easily as saying that there is a mama bear component to this. And I think it gets back to the issue of control that Mike was alluding to before, that to lose your sense of self as it relates to a husband is one thing, but to your own children is inconceivable. Uh, and that's why we see more women um, murder their children, for example. So we, if we take statistics only, we don't, we don't have much to go on here in terms of mental health. But if we step back and we ask the questions, why do we see more women in, in the act of alienating the child or estranging that child, um, you have to sort of apply standards of biology because that's all you've got. Um, I, I would say that in addition to it being an issue of control, that control has to be enabled, just like with an addict. So, you know, you don't just become an addict overnight, but you're, but you're more likely to be one if there is a history of that in your family. But when you enable that through your friends and the way you treat your friends, and I thought that was such a great point Mike made, 
your friends enable you. Your parents enable you to, to alienate those children. If you know that you are being bullied by that person who is also bullying these children, that's a history, um, an issue of history in the family, as Mike pointed out. But it also is the only way that we can fight this, I think, if you choose to fight it. The courts aren't going to help you uh, at all. So you have to really make the call to people who are friends, who see this happening, who listen to the stories of he's horrible, he's an alcoholic, he's a womanizer. And you have to really put the onus on those people to draw the line in the sand and do their own form of intervention here. Because it is the family, it is the friends that ultimately become very responsible right alongside of the parent for doing nothing. The parent isn't going to do anything. They think they're right. It's pathological, period. But it is the people around them that allow it to happen. Allow it like the addict to continue using because he'll get mad. He'll run away. He'll kill himself. So we are a nation of of enablers. And that is the bottom line for this uh, disease. And that's what it is. It's, an, it's a disease based in the narcissism component of the dsm 4 It is clear that people are not responding to it because the courts don't require it. Um, and that is a real shame. Yes, I hope one day we can get that changed because it absolutely should be part of the, the handbook. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to take a quick uh, time out here. I wanted to give a shout out to um, our friend to the show, Prakash, and he is calling from New Mumbai, India. Uh, he's calling at 4.15 a.m. his time. So, um, uh, Prakash, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking on the show. Of course. Um, Prakash want to uh, let our audience know that uh, of his uh, new social media websites, The Order of Men's Rights. Um, he feels that many women have benefited from empowerment, but now the tables are turned. And actually, uh, these benefits have now been used against men. His mission is to bring unity and awareness to an ever-losing proposition of being a man in today's world. So, Prakash, please tell us... Uh, you know, give us an up, update on your uh, social media websites and what you'd like to promote, and uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, sure. My my website is the Order of Men's Right. Uh, in this website, I want to unite the people all over the world, both men and women, to fight for the men's right. In the past few decades, a lot of laws have been introduced for women to get uh, saved from the discrimination, like rape, dowry cases, domestic violence, etc. But Especially in India, those laws have been misused to the full. Especially the rape laws and the dowry laws. About 75 to 80% of those laws are false. And many men and their families get arrested without any proper warrant or proofs. And they have to spend a lot of time in jail. And also the uh, social media today like Facebook and Twitter. They're totally controlling the men's right uh, pages and the groups. Like a voice for men page was recently taken down during the international... Uh, men's conference and also feminists are, ta are targeting the men's pages and blocking them so i thought you know uh, and also we as we men as are scattered and divided we just keep on attacking the feminists like yeah they're misusing the laws they're not helping men and all those things what i think that is we should not focus on that we should first gather support for us we should come together see the issues which we men face like the false cases the health issues the parental issues, the career choices we have. We are also discriminated in colleges. Like in India, girls easily get marks. We boys have to scroll for the practicals and all those things. So I thought, you know, why I should develop a proper organization, reinvent the will of men's right, which is happening. So I developed this website, orderofmensright.com, which will have all the resources regarding the men's right. Like we have lawyers, advocates, doctors, who will help the men in stress if they want to get some support they can easily get the support and we have groups forums based on issues countries places where the men can freely discuss the issues they face raise their opinions and show what problems they face get support from other peers also which we like to do rather than going to a proper organization 
And thank you, Muji. thank you, Prakash, yeah. for your for your update. I will be posting that on my uh, Men's Advocate Show fan page. All the links and social media sites. I do appreciate uh, men helping men. Um, it's a huge issue, and as you tell me, uh, you know we hear of these types of types of uh, types of infractions in America quite frequently at an alarming rate. But you're telling me that even in India, um, you know it's happening at a very quick pace as well. So I thank you for that. Um, yeah. For those of you, uh, I just want to let you know my upcoming show. We are going to be having author Victor Timber. That's author Victor Timber, and he's talking about his book called Matrimony Can Wait. So are you thinking about getting married? Are you thinking about getting married in the future? Uh, what do you need to know before you ask those, uh, before you pop the question? So um, anyway, let's get back to um, my, my primary uh, host, uh, primary guest, I should say, uh, Mike Jeffries and also um, Eric Porterfield. Um, Eric, uh, I wanted to touch on the subject that you were saying, we have about a minute left, on men do leave. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that concept. Um, tell us if it's like an innate uh, nature of men that they do leave, that if they can't get their issues solved, you know, within a certain amount of time, it's very easy to just give up and leave. Well, and I think you've just said it, uh, you know, just as there's biology on one side of the coin, there's bi biology on the other side. And I think in, in the more traditional sense uh, today, um, it, it is largely a matter of giving up because the, you, you run out of options. And so leaving, there's two types of leaving. One that says, I don't want to be a father. I don't want to be in this relationship. And then there's one other that is what, what Mike is talking about and we're all talking, Prakash and myself, which is we leave because we, we, uh, we don't know what else to do. And at some point you have to stop. Um, and, and I agree with Mike, you keep it up. But it is maddening. And so many men do end up leaving because they don't have the resources and they don't have the points of access to change the system. I think there is strength in numbers. I would say if guys are feeling alone and in this particular position, there are tons and tons of social media websites that are specifically on men's rights. Join them, get active in them, and don't feel alone, that you are not alone. I mean, like I was saying earlier, the person might not have um, the educational means or the financial means to go to bat for, for years and years and years, as some of these cases that I hear. But you can learn from experience. You can learn from uh, uh, watching documentaries and reading books and joining other uh, men's rights organizations and spreading the words and being active in that. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on the show today. Um, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We are here each and every Wednesday. That's 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs>